This podcast is brought to you by DrunkMummySoberMummy.com and made in association with HelloSundayMorning.org, changing the world's relationship with alcohol, one Sunday at a time. Oh, the kettle's boiled. Great. Perfect timing. Should we get started then? I'm Victoria Vanstone. I'm Lucy Good. And this is Sober Awkward. Right, Lucy, over to you. Thanks, Vic. So whatever stage you're at on your sober journey, and Vic and I are at completely different stages, you'll know that life without booze can at times feel, what do you reckon? Awkward. Lucy and I invite you to listen to our podcast where we discuss the realities of sobriety, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the cringingly embarrassing. Our honest and open chats will help you discover what it really means to be sober. Yes, we're here like a dodgy bottle of port from your nan's drink cabinet to take the edge off sobriety and together we can learn how to feel the awkward and do it anyway. God, I wish you two would shut up about being on the fucking keto diet. You're putting me to shame. I've just fucked up on my diet. I've just ate a donut. How long have you been dieting for? About 12 hours. <laughs> I think you and Alan are doing well on your diet. So, Alan, what are you eating all the time? Chicken. Oh. Yeah, because he's on, he's on keto. Oh, it's a nice see... bit of ch- chicken fat, chicken skin. Peri-peri chicken. Yeah, he likes his peri-peri. Yeah, he's been going on about it. It's a bit stinky. And there I am eating donuts. I'm the one that's supposed to be on the bloody diet. Well, you might be better off on the keto diet. Aren't donuts <sighs> high in fat? <laughs> I don't think it's any diet that says you can work eat. like it's that. It's the hole in, I'm only eating the hole in the middle. <laughs> I'm eating the bit in the middle. Oh, well, there I'm, you I'm go. I'm the jam now, I'm really There you jam. go, you're all right. And we're going out for dinner as well. So. Yeah. Here we are again. Anyway, episode, what is it, Lucy? Episode I, three, series two, I think. Yes, you're the one who knows. I, I lose track. Yeah, this month to celebrate Sober October, our podcast is proudly being sponsored by Liars. Liars craft simply the finest range of non-alcoholic spirits the world has ever seen. Listen out later in the podcast on how to get a free sample. Yeah, that's really cool, a freebie. And um, Sober October is really brilliant, a great opportunity for people who haven't stopped drinking for any period of time to give yeah, it a go. Good opportunity to, to get less beers down your neck yeah yeah and you, you'll be around other people because loads of people do it is yeah. it is it an australian thing no i think does... it's everywhere i think okay. it's England as well um i think i'm doing a podcast with um club soda uk this week as well so they're doing a panel discussion on sober socializing which i'm going to be on so i'll i'll put that on the uh, instagram page as well oh, yes. so yeah i don't think i ever succeeded at a sober october i always it's like a diet for me <laughs> I mean, I have succeeded at it now, like a couple of sober Octobers, but back in the day, I was probably, like I do with my diets, I was probably sniffling around the pub on day three, like I was with the donuts today. And the thing with with doing a month off, even though I would never discourage anyone from not drinking for a month, because anything is really helpful. Anything is good. Is you do, I have in the past gone back to it pretty heavy afterwards. Yeah, it's like you set yourself up for failure at the end of the day. What we'll say today is if you are doing Sober October, try and stick with it 
try and do the November, yeah. December, January. And yeah, it's a great opportunity for you to start, you know, kickstart your sober life. Yeah. And to talk to people about it. I think people can come onto your space, can't they, Vic, if they're going to do it? Yeah. The and get some support. Yeah. That's what we're talking about yeah. today, isn't it, really? Yeah. Well, what are we talking about today? Today, we're talking about understanding that you are worthy of help, which is uh, something that me and Lucy are really, really passionate about. Mm. It's it's how we started our, our both of our sober journeys. <laughs> Those sober journeys. Sober journeys. <laughs> What's the other word? Uh, resonate. Resonate. Yeah, still that one. Um, I really resonate with you on your sober journey. <laughs> <laughs> We've used those words. Overuse them. Yeah, so that's what we're talking about today. But really, I want to find out how your week went, Lucy, before we get into all that rubbish. Uh, yeah, I've had a I've had a good week. I've been really busy, really hectic. Um, ever since I hit my year sober, actually, I have to say life's been pretty hard, challenging. Mm. Um, <clears throat> something really cute did happen that I noticed. That I thought I'd share with you in this podcast. Um, I've been living in my townhouse for about seven years now and the garden was quite nice when I moved in and it's remained pretty much the same in all that time and I do maintain it just a little bit and I love it but this year I noticed in the back garden and the front garden some flowers that I had never noticed before in the seven years I have been there they must have flowered every year Mm. but this year I noticed them and I reckon that is because I'm more in touch with the world around me because mm. I'm sober. Right. Do you think that's... I mean, well, I funny did... you say that. There's a mulberry tree down the bottom of my road <laughs> and it's the first year that I've actually picked and ate the mulberries off it and the neighbours said that that mulberry tree, it has mulberries on it every year and it's right at the bottom of my road. How funny. So it's the first year that I've noticed the mulberries. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's just because I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm looking for anything to eat, <laughs> off a tree, <laughs> off a bush, off the ground, off yeah, the pavement. That half a donut just yeah. didn't feel Today like I've didn't... been rummaging around in the garden looking for any edible leaves well, and flowers. Well, that's what it's like when you're on a diet, isn't it? Everything <laughs> Everything's edible. Yeah. Chewing on a cardboard box, I will be later. <laughs> be licking on your microphone. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's looking quite yummy. I mean, Alan's it? always telling us off for not talking into our microphone. So we, like, we begin the podcast really close. <laughs> them <laughs> and then we might see his frantic face coming through the window yeah. going move closer to them <laughs> that grumpy swine but don't eat them that's no. a, but yes I just wondered whether yeah. seeing those flowers well I know it was just a, a sign that I'm aware of my and I, I took so much pleasure from them oh, that's nice. from seeing them but they must have been there every year and I hadn't noticed them and I almost felt guilty and bad for them yeah did they turn away from you when you went yeah. close to them yeah. <laughs> They, they were like, you ungrateful cow. <laughs> First seven years we've been coming out and yeah. you don't date any, just ignore us. Those grumpy Jardinia. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's just something I thought I'd share with you. How about you, Vic? How's your week Yes, been? it's been school holidays here. So I had a bit of a holiday. Also, I always say holiday, which is just stress in another location. <laughs> but it was the first time, funny enough, we were talking about me not being triggered anymore in the last episode. And I had a trigger moment while I was away. Hmm. I was sat by a pool, mm. which was lovely. I'd had a little uh, mango smoothie. And throughout the whole four days, I was in this resort. Um, everybody around me was drinking from morning until night. I'm not joking. There was trays of drinks going past me every two seconds from 9am in the morning until, well, while I was gone to bed at 7 or wherever to take the kids off to bed. But there was drinks being passed out all 
day. And it was the first time I just went, oh, what am I doing? It looks like everyone else is just relaxing and having a really nice time. And I just had a moment, a very, very short moment of just going, oh, fuck this. <laughs> I don't know whether you should have said that. No, or not, so I just, I know, I know, but it was just a moment. No. I'm just being honest. There was just a tiny little moment. I just thought, oh God, this just feels too hard on this moment in time. Yeah. And that is one of those moments where I'm sure people just go to the bar and order a drink and just go, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. And of course, I just took a deep breath and I, you know, breathed through it and just thought, I'm never, I'm never going to drink again. I know I'm not. And but I just did have that moment and I just wanted to be honest with the listeners today I still do get those moments that was the first one in a very long time it was just so intense just everybody around me everyone I spoke to it was like cocktails you know margaritas coming out and then all of these other fancy drinks and it just looked like everyone was enjoying them but when I watched I just saw the people and the need Yes. I, I, I recognised it. I sat in that moment, like we say, I felt the feels, I felt the awkward and I ordered another mocktail and got on with it. But it, it, there was that moment and I, and I do feel bad for having that moment, but I'm being honest and just saying yeah, it, it does it, and it can still happen. Yeah, and I think we often talk about my sobriety being a year and the things that happen to me after a year, but we don't mm. often touch on how it is when you reach that nearly four-year mark, which no, is exactly. where you are. And that's quite interesting for people to know. Yeah, it was interesting. And it was good that I just felt it and I recognised it and I let it go and that was the end of it. It was fine. I didn't feel horrible about it. I didn't feel anxious. I just It was just a tiny little inkling mm. moment. And it was funny, later on in the evening, I've got to tell you very quickly, I had sort of a premonition into my son's future, which I hope it isn't. I hope it's a false premonition. But my little son, Fred, was sat at the dinner table and the waiter put down a glass of water for me and a beer for my husband. And my little two-year-old, before his drink was put down, like a disgruntled mafia boss, turned around and said to the waiter, Hey, where's mine? <laughs> <laughs> little Fred, he hasn't got many words. Um, that I was that, yeah, that I can see him doing that as well, <laughs> it coming across really... Really angry. <laughs> hey, where's my drink? <laughs> <laughs> we were all laughing our heads off. But Hopefully, he didn't slam his fist down on the table or anything, but it was very funny. But taking that to a more serious level, though, I mean, what does it say to the kids who were on in that resort with you and on yeah. holiday, perhaps with their parents, who yeah. were drinking all day? Well, it, there was it, a kids normalizes club it doesn't it well yeah them. so the kids were out it's a perfect opportunity to drink for them because the kids are out at kids club so you haven't got the responsibility of a child so it's like right we're mm. on our own we're, we've parented hard for, for, for as long as you know until the school holidays now it's our turn to get boozing mm. and it was a terrible message and I, I actually thought in the end by the end of the four days I was just like oh, thank god I don't do that anymore yeah because it, it was toxic and I, I know those people probably didn't have a problem like I did and they could stop whenever they wanted to stop. I'm not saying that they were bad people or anything and mm. I would have probably liked to have been able to drink like them if it was controlled. But the fact was that it it felt toxic to me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just a shame that everybody feels the need to do it on holiday, but we used to, and I yeah. still would. I'm still yeah. not, I wouldn't even bother with it. Well done for at least going on the holiday. No, I enjoyed and my holiday. Yeah, and I, I'm just aware of those things mm. now. I'm not saying anybody was wrong that was doing it. It's just I'm aware of it now, and I'm glad I don't anymore. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I think that's really good. And you had a little party yesterday, Yeah, didn't I had a little you? party and we, ha- we tried a, a mocktail, didn't we, yesterday yep. as well? A liar's one. And we... We had mates over and we danced on the deck and it was yeah. lovely. 
And, and you wore a very bright pink dress and um, bright pink stilettos. Yes, so I Vic, did. Vic, you know, she doesn't have to be drunk, just saying. No, but even in those moments, I was saying, like, somebody said to me, how do you do it last night? How do you have a party and not drink? I said, I still struggle and I still have to have moments where I go, there's nothing bad happening. You're fine. Just relax. Everybody's happy. It's not your responsibility. And I still have to tell myself, I still have to have those moments where I sort of confirm that, there's nothing weird going on and mm. I'm okay. Because it feels so unusual still. Yeah. And, and I said to you, because even though you're four years sober, which seems like a massive amount of time, you were a lot longer a pisshead. Yes, exactly. And so I was really, the, it's years, just yeah. a drop in the ocean. So totally. you're still going to struggle, yeah. and you st- and that is why putting out this kind of support is so important for people yeah. wherever you are on your journey. On your but journey. But I'm just with the party. I did because I went along just for. About an hour and a half, maybe two hours. You did I well. Made. Yes, I came along and everyone was so lovely and it was a great party. And obviously Vic was there, which was really helpful. And Vic's sister was there who doesn't drink either. So, And it certainly wasn't loads of people going crazy with the drink. No. But uh, when I spoke to her, someone said, so what time did you finish up? What time did the party finish up? She said 6.30. <laughs> Not a.m. <laughs> 6.30 p.m. I was like, right. The music's over. You're out, you lot. Six thirty. Yeah. That's usually when it's just getting going. Oh, crazy days. <laughs> anyway, this podcast. Yes. Anyway, let's get on with it. So today we're talking about, as we said, understanding your worthy help of help. Today we want to talk about the gap, the place between the pub and an AA meeting where lots of people, including Lucy and I, got stuck. Yes, we did. Vic and I both believe there is a grey area where people fall through the cracks and don't get the help they desperately need. They go on suffering for years, knowing they have a problem but not knowing what to do about it and not feeling that their problem is worthy of help. Yes, as you know, Lucy, I call it my Pinot Gris purgatory. Mm. You might call it a grey area and I know Lucy refers to it as a drinking no man's land, whatever you call it. Today, we want to help you identify what it is, most importantly, how to get the help you deserve. And we know we've mentioned this place, this gap before in many podcasts, but we really wanted to shovel deeper into the hole today in order to uncover why so many feel that their problem isn't bad enough to deserve professional intervention. Or any sort of help or yeah. any sort of support. Yeah, it doesn't always have to be professional, as me yeah. and Lucy have discovered. Like it can be a friend or a group or anything that just you getting to that point of reaching out for support. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really a comp- really confusing place to sit, Lucy. I felt trapped in it for years and really alone. I felt that my drinking problem wasn't severe enough to be investigated, that suffering with anxiety was, you know, I thought that was normal, that being the drunkest person in the room was normal, that using alcohol to boost my confidence was normal. Even waking up with a pair of men's socks down the front of my pants was normal, Lucy. Is that not normal? That isn't normal, apparently. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) But now we both know none of this behaviour was normal. It was out of control and that we did it for so long because we were unable to properly identify our own issues. That's right. And feeling like you have a problem yet being too worried to share it um, is what keeps most people in a cycle of addiction. For sure. 
Um, which is where we were. And our aim in this podcast is to clearly pinpoint this area of drinking so you, our listeners, don't have to suffer in silence anymore. We want you to be proud to reach out, proud to be you, and leave horrible things like shame and stigma at the front door like a soggy, wet umbrella. Yes. From today's discussion, we hope you will step out from this murky grey area and seek the help you need. It's time to stop old habits in their tracks and instead of heading down the pub towards another wasted weekend, we want you to understand that you're worthy of getting some help and that it might be time to kickstart your path to recovery. That's what we're going to be doing. So this is quite quite passionate about this. Oh, yeah, I almost feel angry about it. <laughs> yeah. like, this is what led me to write my blog and this is what mm. led me to start talking about my sobriety because I was stuck in this place for so long. Yeah. It's so important that we discuss this today because you don't, what we're talking about is you not reaching an extreme and you guys not having to get to these points where you feel you're desperate for help and to reach out before you get there. That's, that's why this is important to us. This is behind both of our sobrieties and this is why we both feel very very passionate about speaking out about it mm. yeah and I, I mean even on the way down here I mean we're going to talk now a little bit about what led us to this topic because it's there are so many reasons around that but just on the way driving down here I always like ponder over what we're going to talk about and we've already prepared the podcast I thought it's really interesting because I hadn't mentioned when we were preparing it I'm a, I own an online business which is how I met Vic and I, if I had another business in me, if I had the energy to set up another business, I longed to start a business where I was able to help people find support for drinking if they were drinking too much, most specifically mums, because I work with mums, I work with single mums, because I feel that mums have a, so many plates to spin. You could have called it drunk mummy, sober mummy. <laughs> Imagine if I had. That's a good idea. Well, I mean, this is this is why I wanted to mention it early on. The funny thing is, is when I met Vic, she was doing something that I would have loved to have done if I had the energy. And it was about raising the awareness about the grey area yeah. where so many of us, not just mums, even though I've, I've said it is a lot of it is a real mum problem because often people start drinking more when they become mums or they start drinking when they didn't drink before. But... Um, really wanting to be able to help people with that area because I was stuck in it mm. for so bloody long. So Vic's doing what I had in my mind and what well, I would love to have done. Well, that's why we started this podcast, yeah. isn't it? Because you wanted, to have a, you wanted to have a voice in this area yeah. because we both yeah. feel so strongly about it. Because the preconception of the world is that you have to read, you know, reach a certain point with drinking to be able to get help. But that is basically that is not true. No. And that's what we're here to tell you. No matter where you are or what you do or where you sit on this spectrum, you are worthy of getting some sort of help and intervention. Yep, you are. And so... You know, you, you've already said that the reason that you wanted to do it, Vic, like me, was because you spent so long in this horrible gap. Yeah. So tell us some other reasons um, that are important to you. Well, one of the main reasons for me was that I realised when I was in that gap was that I no longer trusted myself. And I think that's a mm. really important thing that we need to discuss quickly is that drinking too much and hating yourself and feeling shame and regret and all of those things after a heavy booze session, it led me to not trust my own behaviour. So I wouldn't end up going out because I knew every time I went out, I was going to get more drunk than anyone else there. So I ended up staying at home, which is similar to what happened to you, mm. Lucy, with your stay at home drinking, isn't it? We didn't trust ourselves in the mm. end. And what a terrible thing to say. I mean, if you've got one person to you know, have your back, it's got to be yourself, hasn't it? It really you've does. You've got to trust yourself. Yeah. And 
that Pinot Gris purgatory, that place where I got stuck was a place where I didn't any longer trust myself and I did not know what the bloody hell to do about it. Mm. And it's a scary place to be because you should have your back and I didn't because I knew my behaviour so well that I couldn't control my drinking every Mm. time I went out. So, yeah, that was really the main place I got stuck in. And it was a very lonely place. And, you know, I felt like the only person in the world that had a mid-range drinking problem. Mm. Therefore, I didn't feel worthy of getting support. Yeah. And that's exactly what this is all about, is is knowing that there are so many people in this same space. Just knowing that, just simply yeah. knowing you are not alone yeah. is a really nice feeling. And there actually, are- that makes a really good point, Lucy, as we spoke to my sister about it, didn't we, yesterday? Yeah. She questioned for years and she got sober 22 years ago and she said that the reason... She was crying when she listened to one of our podcasts last week because that help wasn't there for her. Mm. But that help is available now. And, you know, a lot of people should, you know, reach out because it is it is a thing, grey area drinking. It's not something we're making up. And thousands of people suffer. And the more that we all talk about it, I mean, we are talking about it all the time, boring everybody senseless yeah. with it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if everyone can talk about it and open up about it and share it, it's going to really help the, everybody Um, You know, we don't have to feel shame about it. We all drink um, and some of us drink too much. And if we feel that we do, talk to someone, talk to your mate, just share how you feel. They're probably thinking it anyway. Yeah, and that questioning as well, isn't it? It's that questioning. If you're questioning your drinking, as we said in the last podcast, if you're questioning that you might have a problem, then you probably do. And that's that grey area as well. You're sitting there with a hangover, in bed, feeling awful and questioning why you keep repeating this behaviour again and again. You're in a grey area drinking problem. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, one of the reasons why Mm. I think it's an important topic as well is because I think there is a genuine lack of support for for people, which is why I wanted to do something to help support people in this area, which is why meeting you and being able to do this podcast has been so worthwhile for me. Um, Because I don't think there is a great deal of support. There aren't many places you can go. I can remember countless times just sitting, tapping into Google, support with drinking. I drink too much. What shall I do? And just not being able to find of course there was alcohol anonymous and I did try that um, it didn't work for me it works for many um, and it is something at least but there was really um, that or there was rehab mm. that was all that was available um, and I will be honest in saying that literally a couple of weeks before I met you Vic I had been speaking on the phone to a private rehab clinic and I was considering checking myself in And the cost to stay there for four weeks was $50,000. Oh, my gosh. And I had considered taking money out of my super fund, which is like a pension, um, to go there. I had very, very seriously considered it because I wasn't unwell enough to be referred to a rehab, but I was desperate for support. So I'd found this private one. I didn't know what else to do. It just seemed like the only, it was the, really, it was the only option available to me. Yeah. And it was a crazy option. I've looked at the place since online and it very possibly wasn't going to help me. Mm. It was just a, a money making scheme. It might have helped me, but God, it would have set me back yeah. financially, which would have been another yes. issue that could have made my drinking yeah, even worse. Yeah, could have even more if you're worrying about money. Mm. I mean... I have to admit, I would like to go to one of those places now. <laughs> like, yeah, if anyone wants to give us some donations, me and Lucy can go off to like a yeah. a monastery in Tibet for a year. 
and yes. come back and tell you some stories. Now that <laughs> sounds like a plan. Yeah, or go to our, you know, the Amazon jungle and lick toads' backs. Yeah, and we do ayahuasca. Want, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, any kind of retreat really appeals. Yes, but it just from and this one was actually fairly near to where I lived um, as well. So it just, I, yeah. Let we need to go away on. You need to get away, don't you? I mean, there's, uh, it is good to do a retreat or something like that. I, I mean, and we are going to talk about it later. You can get referred to the doctor for treatment and things like that. So there are other things. You don't have to pay 50K and go into a private yeah. rehab. There are loads of options nowadays. And it's funny you should say that, Vic, as well, because I've been going to the same doctor's surgery since I've been in Australia, which is nearly 13 years. And um, there's a couple of GPs that I see there, and they both have, have known that every time I go in, they say, how's the drinking? Yeah. They've known since I got to Australia that I was struggling, and they have both referred me to different people, and I never found anyone who could help me. No one on the... <sighs> my level yeah it does take time though yeah. to get the right help as well doesn't it I mean it that's does. what we're going to say it's going to get, yeah. it, don't give up it does take time there's a perfect example for you there like you yeah. you can struggle to find help but there is the right help there and you will find it if you really keep trying yeah that's right and I think that was when meeting you and just accepting that there is this grey area there was little old me you know, a couple of years ago, desperately seeking help and looking at a 50k rehab, trying different therapists that have been referred to me by the GP, not being able to find anything. So drinking more and thinking, well, you know, really thinking I'm just going to drink myself to death because Gosh. that was the only option. Yeah. And then one day you just meet someone who gets that grey area that you're sitting in and it meant it changed everything for me yeah. because there was someone else saying, I get it. Yeah. There is a grey area. I was in it myself and um, and I've got out of it. But the problem is what you're saying that's quite fascinating is the problem is if you get bad help at some point, it mm. puts you off the good help, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Because my first experience of reaching out for help when I was in my early 20s and having severe anxiety, I think I've told you about this before, but I went into an office, I got referred to the doctor for a... a a surgery in Brighton where I walked in and the doctor sat at his table with his back to me and asked me if I pissed the bed as a child and could I name the Queen's children. That was his assessment of me. It was like something out of a Victorian asylum. I've never heard that yeah. before. That's yeah. outrageous. He should be struck off. Yeah, I was only in my early 20s. I thought that was his assessment did you wet the bed as a child? I think I said, yes, I probably did. But where's the, relev- Don't all where's kids the wet relevance? The bed? Well, it was, I think he was testing whether I was mad or not. And if I was, na- could I name the Queen's children? I was like, no, because I don't give a fuck about the royal family. Like, <laughs> I'm a teenager, for God's sake. Yeah, I don't care about the royal family. Like, what a weird thing. And then, and then he was ticking boxes as if to say, all right, she's mad. I walked out. I was like, and, and yeah. I didn't get go and see another doctor mm. again or a therapist or anything till my, much, much later on in my life because I had a really shit experience. Mm. I left there crying. I remember getting on the bus and thinking, Aww. no one's going to help me. Yeah, and I suppose and that's what can you, happen. it sort of cemented the fact that, okay, well, I obviously don't have a problem. No one's taking me seriously. So yeah. then you just spend another few years drinking heavily and getting further into that yeah. sort of addiction of drinking until you have to get completely desperate and yeah. re- try again to reach for support. Exactly. That's not a good place to be. And that's where you no. get stuck. It that's is. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You feel you're not worthy exactly. because you've got some twat like that asking you ridiculous questions. Yeah. What a twat. I wonder if he's listening. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> I'm coming to get Somehow you. I don't think he will no. be. No, it was a long time ago. <laughs> so, what gets in the way of us recognizing our drinking problem and in turn seeking help for it? Well, uh, denial was what we talked about, wasn't it? Yep, denial is a huge thing. 
One of the most annoying factors in dealing with alcoholism is it always is accompanied by a phenomenon known as denial. A refusal to admit the truth or reality of the condition. With denial, a person with a booze problem has impaired sight into their condition. Denial is a common symptom of being a big binge drinker or a problem drinker, and it can keep a person from seeking any support. So, yeah, there's all reasons why, aren't there, Lucy, why we stay in that denial and why Mm. we stay in that gap. And one of them, the first one we're going to discuss very quickly, is normalisation. Oh, yeah. I mean, that is huge with drinking culture, isn't (laughs) it? Because there's so many people in this gap. It's quite a normal place to be. Exactly. (laughs) Basically, everybody I know is in this gap. I mean, anyone that parties... I don't know if I want to get out of it. I'll be all on my own. Yeah. And that's what people feel about getting sober. Yeah, because you feel anxious because you're going against the normalisation. You're going against the norm. You're going to be in the minority. Yeah, society, culture, friends, family, everything is telling us how to drink and what to drink and when Mm. to drink and in every situation. So we're stepping out of the comfort zone by being sober. So it's nice to stay in the normalisation, isn't it? Yes, it's it is. Comfort. And, and we've talked about before, as heavy drinkers, we would actually, we'd set up our lives so that we could normalise drinking. Our friends would be big drinkers. Yeah. Our lifestyles would revolve around drinking. Yeah, it's like a drinking safety net, isn't it? It is, yeah. And we yeah. create it ourselves so that we can continue heavily drinking. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, normalisation is, is huge. And I think that's probably top of the list for why yes. people carry on doing it. Absolutely. If, we'll you know, do a whole podcast on normalisation. Yes, we it will. covers so many yeah. areas, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, look, another one that um, is is uh, very relevant is blame, blaming mm. others for the problem. Um, interestingly, I've, uh, an old friend of my eldest daughter, um, her mum once accused her of being the reason that she was on antidepressants. Oh. And I always remember being so incredibly shocked that somebody could say that to their daughter. And um, But yet there I was um, drinking all the time and I didn't actually say anything directly as horrible as that to either of my kids that I remember and I'm sure they would have let me know. But I think as parents who drink a lot, it's this, oh, I deserve a drink. I've looked after you all day. Mm. Um, You don't have to say it. They can feel it. You are teaching them that that drink is your reward for looking after them. And you're blaming your kids for drinking. Yes, it's sort of like a... It's it's not very clear to see or hear, but actually it's like a subliminal blame, yeah, it is. isn't it? That it actually is. the kids are going to absorb and feel and grow up with a sense of sort of loss in their heart because they feel like they're being blamed for they something. Feel like they're being blamed, yeah. yeah. And it's not, it's just simply not their fault. But yeah, it's not. We you know we blame blame the fact that we're parents. Oh, I'm a mum. I've got to have a drink at the end yeah. of the day. Um, we'll blame. I have a, a very good friend of mine who's been incredibly supportive throughout my sobriety. Um, but she's a big drinker, and every time I went out with her, it would be like the reason I got so drunk is was because I was her, with with her. Yes. And I even knew when I was saying it, like I cannot blame her. Yeah. It's not her. It's me. I'm the one who picks up the drink and yeah. drinks. So you know. Pointing the finger at other people, um, it, it allows it's you futile. to stay. Yeah. It's futile, isn't it? Because you're not taking responsibility. Mm. You're just carrying on. I just must say quickly, people that blame, I think, perhaps are people that you have to really look internally generally yes but whether it's drinking or any situation i think if you're you're pushing something out it's time to turn that around and look in the mirror it's the first step to sorting out any problem is accepting your responsibility yeah it's like judging or slagging people off like you know that whole thing of being bitchy about people Mm. it's not cool is it like to talk about people and if you're talking about people a lot and being judgy about people 
it's time to like, go actually. To look within. Why and, am yeah. I doing this? Yeah. Why do I feel the need? It's like trolling online and yeah. on the internet and all that sort of thing. It's like you're pointing the finger in the wrong direction when it should be pointing back. Yeah, and as you keep pointing it outwards, you start you know that it's the wrong thing to do. It doesn't yeah. make you feel good, and no. it often makes you reach for another drink as well. Exactly. Yeah, so the next one is concealing. I mean, that's a good sign of, of denial, isn't it? Like, it's quite clear if you're hiding a bottle under the sink or in the laundry basket that you are denying the fact that you want to drink that bottle in front of everybody. Yeah. Do you know I never did that? No, I never did that. I did used to drink... Um, wine as I was getting the kids dinner ready perhaps mm. I would hide the wine glass around the corner or drink yeah. it out of a mug oh I did sometimes go to the play area with them with wine in yeah. the water bottle. So, yes yeah, so I did do it oh yes you went with the in the water bottle didn't <laughs> yeah. you that is total denial I see. <laughs> yeah I did. yeah that and definitely concealing as well so yeah, <laughs> yeah I did do that I think my only denial was that I used to go to the bar on purpose well, when I was concealing was I used to get everyone's money go and get the round in and then take sips of their drinks before mm. I took, took them back to the table Did so you? that's kind of a type that's of concealment awful. isn't it it is awful I know I tell you what I would do is I'd safe. order no it's definitely not Covid safe um, I would as long as you but as long as you scanned your barcode <laughs> yeah, exactly I scanned in then licked everyone's glasses um, the other what I used to if I went up in that similar situation is I'd order myself an extra drink that I could drink down at the, at the bar, bar yeah. and then I'd take my drink back with everyone else's. Yeah, so that is a definite type of concealment there. Yeah, yeah classic. Yeah. yeah, so we did do that, but sort of more <laughs> a, a kind of excusable level, I yeah, guess. Yeah, we've only just actually realised yes, that yeah, ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> we Sitting were in, in the booth. We were in so much denial. Yeah, we were. <laughs> we've only just Maybe we are still in denial, Lucy, about our drinking. <laughs> I don't know. Um, defensiveness, um, so not telling the truth about it to yourself and others. Yes. Um, and that is something we've talked about before I think when we talked about what we liked about ourselves now that we were sober is that we don't tell as many lies yeah. we're more honest no because more fibs. yeah yeah. yeah, so defensiveness again is like pointing the finger in the other direction. So like, look at the birdie. I'm not having this yeah. drink, and then, and then downing it, it quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly, and just not just not being truthful. Um, and you know that that again takes us on to home drinking, which is one that I'm really keen to have a an episode on um, because you are not wanting to people people to see how far into this habit you have got. So you stay yeah. at home and you feed your habit in the behind closed doors. Yeah, and then if people People do notice it goes on to the next one, which is something called false agreement, which is promises to change. So inside our head, we're like pretending to people that, look, I haven't really got a problem, but mm. I'm going to tell people, look, I'm trying to do better. I'm trying to get help. But actually knowing inside your head, you're not going to. Mm. So like pretending to get help when you're actually and, not. And that is to, to yourself and to other people. Yeah, to make yourself feel better. To keep the denial, basically, yeah. yeah. And then there's making comparisons, of course, um, and that's a little bit like the normalisation. So everyone else is drinking heavily, so why can't I? And uh, pointing the finger at the real alkies who oh, are yes. out there and watching TV where they're all drinking. We talked about Downton Abbey yeah. and how I can't watch it anymore because they're all drinking wine on it. But it was a really cool thing to watch when I was drinking um, because it's like they even though they're in a completely different century in another yeah. country and it's yeah. not real, yeah. they were part Isn't of the... Isn't it real? Dance, it's not real. <laughs> no, Vic, it's what? not. It's like reality. <laughs> Time machine. That's it's still like that in England. We haven't been yeah. back for so long because yeah, of still, COVID. That's how we see. That's England. how we like to imagine it. And I always, it's funny enough, you say that. I always imagine England. I think of all my mates all being down the same pub, all having a laugh without me. But when I get there, they all hate each other. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I have you, this like I, perfect image yeah. of everybody happy in a pub and like, and you're really no. and you're a little bit jealous of it. Well, yeah. I thought you were going to say that the pub's been bulldozed down yeah. or something because most of the good old pubs we used to drink at are gone now, aren't yeah, they? Probably gone. Now that no one's allowed to drink drive, they've had to close all the pubs. Yeah. <laughs> Real, oh, rationalisation is the next one. So, yeah, I hadn't eaten. The punch must have been spiked. I only had two. I haven't had a drink in a week. All of the excuses. So just telling everybody that you're not drinking as much as you are. Hmm. So that keeps you in the denial, in the pattern. Um, Very quickly, we just want to mention that we um, put out on Instagram... we always like to involve you guys, mm. don't we? Yeah, you're good at that bit. Yeah, so I just did a question was, why did it take you so long to reach out for help, which is what we're talking about today? So so some of the answers are what, Lucy? What? Well, yes, I'm about to read out some of them, but Vic's put it in such small font. Yeah, I did put it in. <laughs> just did it to annoy you. <laughs> yeah, I swear she does this to annoy me. <sighs> um, the fear of telling my secrets, pride, not being taken seriously... Um, not stereotypical drinker, fear of change, that's a good one, cost, overwhelm, embarrassed, fear of losing a job, say as a healthcare professional, or friends saying you're not that bad, trying to normalise it. Normalising, yeah, that was a, you know, someone says to you, oh, you're fine, you're not that bad, have a drink, you'll be, I mean, it's very easy to get your elbow twisted in those situations, yeah. isn't it? And you've got to be strong in those. And that's probably maybe not such a good friend if someone's saying that no, to you. No, exactly. That's really yeah. true. Yeah, look at that. Yeah, look into that deeper than the level that mm. it is because actually that isn't a good friend and that is not a supportive friend. Yeah. And they're not having an understanding of what you're going through. And even if they don't agree with it, you've, you've told them how you feel and they should respect that. Yeah, one that we didn't mention there was age. Um, I had an email from somebody who didn't want their name mentioned because they were obviously still in that shame and denial area. Um, it was from a young man and it was this... I thought I was too young to have a problem with alcohol. I had a preconceived idea of what a heavy drinker was and a million excuses as to why I wasn't that. I didn't think I would fit into the sober recovery community as someone in my 20s and I hadn't had enough trouble with it yet. I mean, that's Mm. so interesting. Like I should have to put myself through more hangovers to feel worthy. That is so brilliantly put. So brilliant, isn't it? That was me. Yeah, and me. Even in my 20s, you know, I would never have reached out. Um, it just shows you some people feel that they have to get worse before they can get better. Mm. And that's what we're here to say. You don't have to. You don't have to hit rock bottom. If you are questioning your drinking, then you very likely do have a problem on some level or you're not happy with your drinking and you need to try and change that. And there is help out there for you. Yeah. And, and, and you need to, and it's okay to accept, okay, I'm not an alcoholic. I'm not lying in a gutter. Um, I'm not being carted um, into the emergency ward. It doesn't matter if none no. of those things are happening. It doesn't matter if you're 18 years old and you think you've got a problem with drinking, then you most likely have got one and you are worthy to reach out for help. It's funny, Lucy, talking about that now. If you could go back to when you were 18 and you had the clarity that you have now about drinking and sobriety, would you have stopped if you'd been given the right information? I would have, yeah. I, I, would have I, too. I was struggling and I'd already made, by, I would probably put my age at 21. Yeah. That was when I made some massive, massive mistakes that changed the course of my life forever through, mm. through drinking. And I actually was, I did, I was, I had to go to therapy. Um, and 
yeah, but the therapy was good. She was a great lady mm. and she helped me generally with my life, but she wasn't putting it out there like we do and yeah. saying, you know, it's okay. You know, it, again, I think she honestly believed I was too young for a problem. Yes, they probably just thought, oh, everyone goes through this stage. Yeah, she's just a drinking drinking in her early 20s. That's social normalisation of drinking, mm. so therefore everybody does it, so it makes it okay. I mean, I wish I could go back to the 18-year-old me and say, look, what you're doing isn't, good for you and you are worthy of better than this Mm. and you deserve to have a full life and a happier life instead of all this people pleasing and being a messy you know drunk Mm. all the time I think I could have achieved so much more honestly I mean I had a pretty good life I mean I was happy enough but I think I could have achieved more have a much more functional life I mean funnily enough I watched a documentary on Netflix last night about a kayaker it was a really interesting story about this guy who'd always done this kayaking I can't remember what it's called but it's on there at the moment and I just thought, God, I never went kayaking. Mm. I missed out on doing so much <laughs> yeah. stuff because I was hung over all the time. I was just so into the party. I could have been doing something amazing and travelling the world. I mean, I did travel the world, but I travelled it drunk. I lived in Sydney for two years and never saw the bloody opera house. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would go back to my 18-year-old self and say, give them this information that we're talking about today and go, look, there, there, isn't, there is other ways of having fun. Yeah. And there is other ways of, of becoming who you should be and being authentic and having a life that doesn't involve drinking. I think what you're saying is so true, but I think the sad thing is, is there's actually this message, what you've just said, and you've said it so perfectly, and you wish someone had said it to you earlier. I don't think many people are even putting that message out now, and certainly not to young people. No. The message just isn't out there enough that, um, you know, just have it, you know, have it, uh, thinking that your drinking isn't right, it's a red flag. Yeah. And you need to get some support with it. Yeah. You don't have to just, you don't have to wait another 20 years. Yeah, and you don't have to have the regrets that me and Lucy now have that we could have spent those years doing something a bit more functional and a bit more, yeah. you know, that we would have pride in. You know, I don't have pride about waking up with socks down my pants <laughs> of someone I don't know. I went to a healer a couple of days ago oh, yeah. and um, she said uh, one particular thing that I had a lot of in me was shame. Mm. She didn't know about my alcohol history and I was just like, yeah. that is absolutely, I am full of it. Full of so it. So full of shame. But we don't need to be, do we? We need to let go of that shame because that, that shame represents us when we were drinking. And now we're not those people anymore. So we need to knock the shame on the head with yes. a stick and go, actually, we're going to move on from the shame because yeah. there's no point in letting us that drag us, drag us down in our sobriety. Yeah. And accept the fact that there wasn't the support that we needed there and no. we did reach for help and we weren't getting it. And that's what we're trying to change now. Yeah, take the socks out of your pants <laughs> and live a shame-free life. <laughs> put them on your bloody feet. Yeah, put them on your head. Put them on your ears. <laughs> Just not down your pants. Not down Pants. You mean trousers? I'll tell you that way. story afterwards. <laughs> I don't want to tell it to our listeners. So yeah, there's only so long you can live in denial. Soon comes the point where you personally, often quietly, recognise the signs that drinking is no longer your mate. We did do a podcast about that. So yeah, go to episode one of, yes, of Sober our first Awkward one. to learn about why drinking isn't your mate. But what are the signs, very briefly, Lucy? Um, well, there's loads of them. Um, there is failing at moderation. Yep. Obviously, if you're failing and keep failing, there's a sign that you have a problem very clearly. Um, feeling fed up with alcohol, that was my point that I reached. Where I, was just, I just cannot do this anymore. Yeah, over it. Done. Done. Um, affecting your work. God, it did that for years with me. Yep. Anxiety and mental health. Any problems with that because of drinking? Mm. Yeah. Worrying um, about social events, i.e. not going out the house. Not going out the house mm. and staying at home because you're 
Don't trust yourself. Yeah. Yep. Not being able to control your behaviour. Oh, I thought that said not being able to control your bladder. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. Is that further on well, that's in That's not anything to do with drinking. That's just to do with having children. <laughs> Maybe a bit of both. A bit of pelvic floor. Don't have a hope out. in hell. A bit of shame and pelvic floor. <laughs> I think we've talked about that before in too much detail. I'm pretty sure I did. The shame is coming back. Yeah, I, can I can feel see it. You <laughs> Um, health issues, sore kidney, um, headaches, <laughs> crabs, warts, chlamydia, gonorrhea, <laughs> chaffing. Yes, I added chaffing because I, I woke up once with with un, un, uh, undisclosed chaffing. <laughs> Is that a word? Or <laughs> undiagnosed. Undiagnosed. No, it was and... just some chaffing that I got. I'm not sure what I got it from, but I woke up with Dare chaffing. Dare we ask where on your body? I think the... it was on my thighs. You think? Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> I remember now. I very possibly had sex last night or I was uh, I just wasn't, I may riding been, a horse. Yeah, I could have been dragged along a road. It could have been anything, but I definitely woke up with chaffing. So wake, basically waking up with problems. Or any or any health issues going back to this point. Yeah, Particularly you know. chaffing. <laughs> or crabs. Or crabs, yeah. <laughs> Unless you've been to the beach, then those sort of crabs are okay. Yeah, they're all right. Yeah, Friends getting annoyed with you. Yeah, happened to me a lot. Yeah, it did me near the end as well. Friend, you know, so I started arguing a lot with people. Yeah, because I was becoming a very negative drunk, vomiting. Yes, if you're vomiting a lot, it's a sign that you're drinking too much. Yeah, feeling suicidal, same mental health, any of those horrible feelings after drinking, it means mm. you've got a problem. Yeah, and we've mentioned it before, but anything that's made you feel shame. Yeah, I mean, as soon as I think you start to question your own behaviour in any situation or your health. Um, it's a sign that drinking isn't working for you. You're drinking, uh, and uh, actually the last one is really clear, isn't it, Lucy? You're, if you're drinking because you feel you must rather than you want to, mm. then you've definitely got a problem as well. So there's loads of reasons there. I mean, mm. you know, you, you might not be on that list with your drinking. You know, we might not have mentioned things that are going on with you, but you know in your heart that your yeah. drinking is getting out of control, don't you? I knew. And you knew too, didn't you, Lucy? I did, yeah. I knew I was drinking for the wrong reasons. And um, if anyone listening it sort of feels that that's them or there's other reasons, as Vic says, then welcome to the grey area. <laughs> yes, welcome <laughs> to hell. <laughs> no, not really. The grey, because, what we're here to tell you is the grey area is not hell and you can get help for it. So, yeah, yeah it's not hell at exactly. all. exactly. It's heaven. And there are loads of people in it. You're not alone. Yeah. Um, and um, let's move on because I think we've got a promotion. Oh, yes, we're quickly going to slot this in here. Before we go on, I'm must tell our listeners about our Sober October promotion. This month, to celebrate Sober October, our podcast is being sponsored by Liars. We have some complimentary samples for you. Hooray! We love a freebie, Lucy and I, yeah. so yeah, get on there. Yeah, This is a really good freebie, and I think it's well worth doing this. All you have to do is go to the Liars website, which is liars.com.au, and add forward slash Sober Awkward, no gap. No grey area. No grey area, no. <laughs> Fill in your details and liars will send you a free sample of amaretto, which is like Aperol and is lovely mixed with an alcohol-free Prosecco or the Italian Spritz, which is my favourite and is a perfect summer fizz to be packed in the picnic hamper. I think that's what, um, that's what we, we had, had yesterday. yesterday. Yeah, yes, it was at your party. It was yeah. really nice. Um, and um, Vic, you've got some really cool cocktail recipes, haven't you? So perhaps you could rather than share them now, you could put them up on your Facebook yeah, group so I'll, I'll or put them on, on the, the group. Yeah, and I'll put them on the Instagram. show notes as well, yeah. And the show notes as well. Yeah, and, and Liars will even pay the postage. So just to let you know that this promotion is only valid in Australia. So go to liars.com.au forward slash sober awkward to get our sober October deal. 
Mm. And I guess if anyone's listening from another country and they provide alcohol-free drinks and they want to give our listeners some freebies, let us know because yeah. we we are all about just getting the help out there. And if, if, if you're the sort of person who thinks, I would really like an alcohol-free drink, that will really help me when I go to social occasions sober, then... You know, it's a great thing to try. Yeah, anything that helps. Give anything. people options. Yeah, we're all for having options for people who are newly sober and being out mm. in the social, scary social world. Yeah, which it, it often really is. is. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. All right. So yeah. we're going to move on now, and we're going to talk about what we've talked about the grey area. We've talked about why we were in it and recognizing if you might be in it. The reasons that uh, the, the things that made us recognize that it was going wrong for us. Um, so we knew we were in that grey area. Why did we stay in it for so long? Why didn't we hop out and sort our lives out just like that? I think I was trying to hop out of it, but I just couldn't. Oh, no, you couldn't. That was why we were in it for so many years, 20-odd years, both of us. Yeah, 20-odd years. Can you believe it? And trying to get out. Like you said, that first experience with the doctor, no wonder you were struggling to get out of it. I was going to say, Lucy, I couldn't get out because I was too fucking pissed. (laughs) (laughs) That's really the reason, isn't it? Let's let's wipe this... (laughs) Cross all these out. I was too drunk yeah, to, to, think, to think straight. To think straight. And to, to recognise. logically, yeah. like, what can I do about this instead of just trying waters between wines or trying all these ridiculous things that were never, ever going to work. I was too drunk to get out of the hole. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. And that, and then again, that adds that other level of difficulty to it. Yeah, so I it mean, isn't just about saying, hey, I've got a problem. I'm yeah. going to reach for help and sort it. Oh. This is a problem that goes really deep. It's got physical effects. It's got mental and emotional effects. Social effects. So many things. Mm. And not only is it there on so many levels, but you're so drunk most of the time. Yeah. Or hungover. Yeah, you can't do any. I mean, I know when I met you, Vic, which was my turning point, I was hungover. Yeah. Um, and then I drank that night. In fact, I had a three-day bender. I will tell people more about that experience yes, at some point. One, that's yeah. quite interesting. Um, but I feel like there was just a chink of being sober in between when I was lucky enough to meet you and you were able to talk some sense into me over a coffee. Yeah. And thank God that I was able to take that on board. I wasn't drunk at that moment. And that just brings you to the point there. It, it can sometimes just be about simply about timing. It can, yeah. Yeah, and that was just the right time, the right place mm. with the right people. I call it my sliding doors moment. Yeah, yeah. It, it really was that sort of mm. moment. So, yeah, sometimes, unfortunately, you can try everything, but sometimes you just got to re- meet the right person. You do. Yeah. yeah. So the reason we stayed in that Pinot Gris purgatory for so long was things like, as we said, denial, fear, shame. Judgment. Else, judgment. Fear of the word alcoholic labels, you know. Yeah, I want to do a podcast about that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that has a really yeah, negative I, impact. I still on feel funny about saying the word that I'm an alcoholic. I like saying I'm sober curious. I'm not so curious anymore. I do know the answers, but yeah, labels is a big one. Yeah. Time. You're too busy to seek help. You're too busy getting pissed. Too hungover. Yeah. Yeah. Stubborn, embarrassed. Yeah. Just personality traits that would stop you. Yeah, definitely. Shy, scared of being laughed out of AA. Oh, yes. I went to an AA meeting and I didn't put my hand up when I was like 21. And I I was scared to stand up and I would be because I felt like I would be laughed out the door because my problem wasn't severe enough, which is why I never went to AA because I thought I wouldn't be accepted. Mm. Of course, I realise now I would have been and that anyone would be, but... 
that was a huge fear for me to be laughed out of the door because I wasn't extreme as anybody else there. My stories weren't as good. Yeah, and funnily enough, my AA experience with with very elderly people, mostly old, elderly women, and I think I'm probably the only one within my age bracket there. Everyone was significantly older, so that was that message yeah. we were talking you about. You just in hadn't age, found yeah. the right. You mm. hadn't found the right group. No, but it, keep you. keep looking. Yeah, I did in the end. Good. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that comes on to the problem not being big enough, exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. too hungover to take action. Not So, motivated. yeah, hungover yeah. means no motivation whatsoever. Mirroring others, too confronting for family. So I was scared about saying you. to people, like, I'm giving up drinking. I thought they would then think, well, have I caused this or have I made this happen? Like for my parents that are drinkers, I, I felt like I would offend them almost mm. by saying I was giving up drinking. And that took me a while to come to terms with by admitting that it wasn't really anything to do with them and it was my problem and I had to admit to it and they could think whatever they liked. And actually what they thought was just that it was amazing that I could yeah. step out of it. And that's what my parents have taught me in my life. It wasn't to drink, it was to be strong enough to not drink. Yeah. So they've given me that strength so blame again there was futile because in fact me pushing the blame out in a different direction was never ever going to help me so I had to give up on that and just just grasp onto the good things you know because that's important and to recognize that your parents or good friends or anybody um, if they if they love you and they want to support you then they're going to recognize that it's your choice whether they think it's a good one or not yeah and in fact I spoke to your lovely dad whose birthday it was yesterday at your party and he did congratulate us on the podcast yeah I think so he's there very, you go. Very that's proud. the kind of I level it, of support that yeah. he's offering you even though you're unsure Yet another sort of excuse yeah. for doing it. What will my parents think? I mean, and I was great. They both yeah. listen, don't they? Yeah, and I was earwigging into that conversation because I am interested in what he's got to say. Of course, our parents' um, opinion of us is is huge, isn't it? Yes, like it's, of course, it you is. always want to make them happy, and you want them to to continue, you know, loving you no matter what you do. So yeah, their opinion is important to me, but blaming them was never on my mm. never on my list. And have more faith that they're going to be there to to support you, those yeah. people who are close to you. But there are just so many different reasons. And like we've said before, we don't have to have read your reason out. Um, We're all unique. We've all got different reasons why we haven't managed to find the support that we need. Um, So don't feel just because we haven't said yours that you're not in the grey area. You are. If you're listening, you're in the grey area. Yeah, if you're listening to Sober Awkward (laughs) because you're soberly awkward, then you are probably in that grey area with us. And welcome. We love it here. Yeah. The choice to stay in the addiction um, that is your choice. So, yeah, that's another reason why you stay in it, because you don't make that choice or take responsibility for it. You have to take responsibility. Yeah. So I guess our point is that no matter what, if you think that you have a problem, then you likely do. Yes, it sounds like, Lucy, acceptance of the problem is what yeah. is going to set you free here. It really is. It's the same as we were talking about blame, you know, acceptance of something rather than blaming other people. That yeah. first step is always the hardest, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, in therapy, I did have a real turning point when I had my sort of, when I reached out for help in my own personal sober journey. <laughs> I Did it really resonate? Yeah, it resonated. <laughs> I um, got help and there was a real moment there where I realised that it was my responsibility and that was literally the day I stopped drinking and never drank again. When I realised I was, you know, blaming culture, blaming society, blaming this and that and had all of this stuff going on in my head, like not taking responsibly, responsibility for myself because I didn't trust myself, I guess. Mm. And when I realised that it was, I've mentioned this before, but I'm going to say it again because it is so relevant right now, is that it was always me. It was always me filling up my, you know, champagne flute. It was me ordering shots. It was me with my hand out 
get in the drink. So therefore, it was my responsibility. And when I realised that was the day I was able to say, right, I'm not reaching out for the drink anymore. This has got to land on my shoulders solely. This has got to be up to me. And that was when I made that decision. And I was capable of saying, right, I'm going to make that decision now. And I'm going to make that decision for the rest of my life. And that is a possibility for everyone, no matter whether you've got help or not, to Mm. say, right, I am going to stop blaming others and stop blaming situations and places, people and things and take responsibility for myself. But of course, at the same time, you're saying that you have to trust in yourself yes. to be able to do this. But at that point, for so many people, you're you're just full of self-loathing. Yeah. You hate yourself for your drinking. So this one person that you've got to rely on to pull you through this yeah. is yourself. But you've got such a bad relationship with yourself at the time. Yeah. So for you, it took going to therapy for somebody to help you realise that you were worthy and you were capable and I think maybe once you realise that that was when you were able to say I'm a strong enough person and it's all the buck stops with me and I'm going to do this but you needed therapy yeah to love yourself and, and trust that you you were capable yeah. of doing it. That taking responsibility was like the last stage of my therapy. There was weeks before that where I had to lay my life down on the table discuss with my therapist that must have been a messy affair it was a messy messy (laughs) messy business that involved a lot of tissues (laughs) of me blubbing into my therapist's lap at various occasions but those breaking down of everything that had ever happened to me and then rebuilding those foundations from the scratch and realizing that I could take out the bad bits of my life and then get the good bits and build it all up again and make myself into the person I truly wanted to be was part of that part of that whole therapy thing Mm. and that responsibility taking happened right at the end so yeah you need to go through a whole process to be strong enough to take responsibility Mm. and stop and to know that you're you're worthy of it and that you're strong enough yeah Um, and for those people I guess who haven't been to therapy or um, who are thinking about it but just for now are listening to this podcast and mulling over what their next steps are we just want to tell you some things um, to let you know that you're worthy of support yeah so the first one is learning that you matter and of course, everybody matters. I mean, you might feel worthless, but you you have a you have meaning and you have a place in this world. And and you know you can help people with their sobriety afterwards. Mm-hmm. You really can. And it's as simple as coming onto a Facebook group and just talking to a few people and sharing yeah. some photos about your journey. Um, but yeah, the I, I think that that is a really important one as well, Vic, because there was a point in my life and in my drinking. Um, time where I genuinely didn't think I mattered at all and that was a really really low place to be and looking back now it's like how did I ever get that low oh it's awful isn't it yeah how did I ever even get past that but I think just you matter is so important and that you're loved as well that comes with that one doesn't it it does yeah Um, and also to know that there are people trained in this like whether it's a sober buddy or a sober coach or all of these things that are options now you just put it out there how can I get help for my drinking just google it there's a lot of stuff out there nowadays I mean I've talked about when I did google it 20 years ago there was nothing but there is help out there now and and remember it can just be joining an Instagram account yeah and Vic's got one and I think we'll talk about that later Um, just remember you you deserve to be happy. We all do. And you deserve to live a full and happy life. Yeah. And you deserve to get out of this cycle mm. and just live a normal life and not have to think about alcohol anymore. Yeah. And I mean, one, that's freedom, and isn't it? In life without alcohol is way better. It's so much better. 
I mean, yeah, gosh. I mean, the changes. I mean, we talk about, you know, that moment of me missing booze at that at that mm. weekend when I was away last weekend. That is so minuscule. Everything else in my life is great. Yeah. Like there's a tiny little moment where I had a little, you know, a tiny wobble. wobble yeah. yeah. But but everything else is is worth it. Yeah. Yeah. So you 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 find out who you are when you give up drinking, and that that is part of being worthy is that you find out you are worthy therefore you begin to like yourself because you you are worthy and always remember and I think we've mentioned this before as well being sober is not your life without alcohol it is a completely different life that will come to you and it Mm. will be way better than the life you're living if you're a heavy drinker at the moment yeah and it's an authentic way of living so you Mm. are who you were always meant to be once the ethanol's drained off your skin you are capable of of leaping out into into who you were always meant to be I feel like before you started drinking Lucy when you were 14 and that shy girl I know you've become that shy girl again you feel shy sometimes still but everything else is so much better isn't it it is yeah everything it is a rediscovery of the person that you are and if like Vic and I where we were drinking so young we never really got to know ourselves we started to numb ourselves out so so early on in our lives so we actually didn't know who we were and I'm quite enjoying discovering who I am warts and all yeah and it's a page and yeah definitely (laughs) I'm glad the warts have gone that's one thing I'm oh no not all of mine have gone Sorry, talking in. T- <laughs> I haven't actually got any walls, oh, right, okay. physical ones. Oh. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. Anyway, we'll talk about that in detail over dinner later. Yes, we'll talk about walls. <laughs> It's the sort of thing me and Lucy have very long discussions about. <laughs> That's the sober life. Yeah, show us your warts. <laughs> well, uh, well, I once had this really good wart. <laughs> no, really? <laughs> Tell me all about it. Uh, wart news. <laughs> we can add it to the podcast, can't we? <laughs> Uh, I just want to say as well that there is hope for everybody. I mean, Lucy got sober at what? How old were you, Lucy? I was 45. Yeah, and I just turned 40 when I turned sober. Mm. So yeah. I never hope. thought it was going to happen. Yeah, I'd never given give up, up hope. Yeah, never give up. Mm. Um, alcohol um, will make you ill. So don't keep drinking. And, and you know, why, you know, often we drink because we kind of, no, we don't love ourselves. And so we want to make ourselves feel better, feel worse. It's like so a self-sabotage. Yeah, it's a yeah. self-harming. That's yes. what I'm trying to, yes. trying to get out. Yes, it's self-harming. So don't do that. Don't do that. And, and just to remember that your changes that you make now will ripple through the lives for generations to come. I'm hoping that my children might not drink. I mean, I might be just completely doesn't mad. doesn't sound like that. it, doesn't no. it, with your two-year-old. Hey, where's mine? <laughs> <laughs> but that is a possibility. You could change the cycle. Like, my family have all been huge drinkers for generations. Mm. Like, maybe I can change that cycle. I mean, what a legacy would that be? Amazing. My legless legacy, Lucy. Yeah, I've got two teenagers, um, and not, certainly the 18-year-old does not seem to be into alcohol anywhere close to how I was. I think she's seen the, the hell and high water that I've been through. Mm. And, and I think that is actually part of her now. Yeah, that's a good she, message yeah. to say, look, I can change, yeah. and I have, and you don't have to do this anymore either. Um, and your changes will make it all easier for others. Yeah, it's like clearing the path, isn't it? Yeah. For like, actually, look, this is all messy and there's all shit all over the path and actually we can just get a broom and clear it all away and you've got an easier track yeah. for your life. If you don't more, have to have yeah, this chaos. More people having this conversation rather than uh, who's going down Dan Murphy's or whatever yeah. the um, bottle shops are called in England now. You know, we don't need to be drinking. Um, we can be doing other things. And the more people who are doing those other things instead of drinking 
or abusing themselves with putting anything into their systems, the easier it is for us. I mean, going to that party yesterday at yours, Vic, you know, there was quite a few people there not drinking. Yeah, there's not a lot of people not drinking, yeah. And they're just happy being ourselves mm. and not feeling judged and and not feeling sad about not drinking because that's another thing. You don't want to give up drinking and then feel sad about not drinking. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You have to be happy in your choice. Yeah, Lucy's having a bit of a hot sauce. It's, actually, it's a really hot day today, everybody, and the booth is like it's like 100 degrees in here. Am I, take, am take I sweating? Off. No, you're not. I feel sweating. like I am. Oh, God, and if I, if, I, if I so much as move a piece of paper, I get in trouble with Alan for yeah. making a noise, and I want to kind of make my notes into a fan, yeah. but I might get in trouble. Let's it's either that notes. or pass out yeah. through heat. You are sounding slightly tired. <laughs> oh, he's opening the door. Hello, Alan. Oh, he's fanning, oh, yeah, he's fanning oh. the door. Oh, my God. That is so nice. Yeah, he's, he's pushing the door backwards and forwards and oh, causing some he sort does. of... He does. He looks after He's being sweet he? sometimes. Can you just carry on doing that till the end of the podcast? <laughs> We've got some oh, tips. Oh, he shut the door. Oh, he shut it now. <laughs> he's got some tips for us. Oh, no, he hasn't. Alan's tips wouldn't be very good, would they? <laughs> He'd be like, have another beer. He can give you a tip about a keto diet yeah. if you want to know. Yeah. Um, all right, so our tips. The message we want to drum into your head today, and we hope we have, is that you don't have to reach rock bottom to deserve support. You don't have to be swigging from a whiskey bottle at 7am to have a drink problem. There is a vast spectrum to problem drinking. All you have to be is questioning your relationship with alcohol. That is enough to make you worthy of help. Gosh, yeah, that's very clear. That's basically mm. summed up our entire podcast Yeah, we didn't right even there. need to have this whole chat, did no, we? No, no. Just have that. <laughs> Wasted everybody's time. Oh, fucking boring everyone's ears off. <laughs> Stop the denial. That's not living. Denial means the problem will carry on and nothing will change. Listen to those questions you're asking yourself when hungover. Why can't I control myself? Why can't I have just one? Why do I have to keep repeating this behaviour? Listen to your heart. If you have a drink problem, you are deserving of help. And now is the time to act. We realise the thought of never drinking again is overwhelming. That the idea of being the boring sober person is often too much to bear. But with the right help or the right person, you will get used to it and learn to love yourself again. Listen to our podcast called Bored and Boring, Bored, Bored, Bored. There's help with this. Humans are capable of change, so no matter how far gone you feel, there is Hope. Remember, I got sober at 45. You can get better and you will learn to exist on this planet without being a pisshead. There might not be as much craziness and chaos, but we promise that it will be replaced with fluffiness and frolicking otters of contentment. Yes. I, I don't know. Good. Can we definitely promise the otters? I can promise an otter. You promise I've anyone who gets. Okay. <laughs> Ottoman. <laughs> Ottoman, I mean. <laughs> Learning that you matter takes time and sometimes a good therapist. So don't give up too quickly. Put the work in to get the best results. And if that means investing time and money into your well-being, then do it. Just think of all the money you're saving on not eating kebabs and other people's dry cleaning. Mm, yeah, you do save money when you're sober. You, you just do. do. Yeah. Um, even though you seem to buy so much more. It's because you treat yourself a bit more. Yeah, donuts, you do. Donuts, yeah. Um, yeah, oh, you and that donut. Oh. Have you got the other half at home waiting for you? I've got one in my pocket. 
Um, if you feel lost in that drinking in that drinking's no man land, remember that there are thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of other people just like you. People that thought they'd be stuck forever that are now living happy, sober lives. If you need proof, head to Vic's sober Facebook group called Drunk Mummy, Sober Mummy, the group, where you'll find heaps of sober ex-drinkers to share the journey with. I've mentioned your group there, but also... If you're not a mum and you want support, you can, people can go to their your Instagram, can't they? Yeah, just what's go. What's that? Yeah, just go to my at drunk mummy sober mummy or at our sober awkward sober one. awkward yeah. one. Yeah, just anywhere you can find help. There's so many places. Just Google mm. it. Yeah, just get on there. There are therapists, doctors, and psychologists, friends, sober mates, and many other different forms of help just waiting for you. So admit you're struggling and then stick out your hand. There will be someone that will take you and lead you into the life you've always wanted. Like Vic did for me. Yes, like an <laughs> angel from above. It was amazing. <laughs> be proud. Don't be shy about getting sober. You're the one who's doing something amazing. You're the one making changes. You're the one going against this toxic culture and you're the one taking charge. Your choice to step on this path should be celebrated and not judged. I just want to add there, in Australia, I think if you do go to a doctor now, especially during COVID, you do get a free mental health plan. I think it includes um, 10 free uh, sessions with mm. a therapist. So really do take advantage of these things. We don't know what the situation is in uh, England or America where most of our listeners are. But <laughs> phone your GP, yeah. go and see your GP and find out because that uh, mental health plan does include problems with alcohol. So, so definitely go and try and get that help if it's available, especially if it's for free. Because you are worthy. Yeah, you are worthy. Then once you've put your hard yards in, you're free to live a healthy and authentic life for many years to come. So instead of hiding in the gap, get up, get out, take responsibility, make that call, read that book, listen to this podcast again if you have to. Just take action. Mm -hmm. Um, And note, if you are feeling suicidal, call. If you are in Australia... Beyond Blue or Lifeline or the equivalent for in your country, just tap something into Google. Um, and remember that suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem and there are people that can help you. Yeah, I, I made the quote really small. I can't read it. Okay. <laughs> I can't read it, so I will have to leave that one to you. I know. Okay, right. So contrary... To pop contrary. <laughs> she looks like an old woman. She's got I do, like... I've got my glasses on the end of my nose. Contrary to popular <laughs> thinking, being worthy isn't something you can earn. It's something you recognise. Yes, and that's really true. So that's internal, it? that's inside you that's, that's saying, like, you will know when you've got a problem and you will know that it's time to get help. So that's going to be really inside your own chest. You know what I mean? And we are, be... it, we're all worthy, but we've got to recognise it. Yeah. So I like that. I like that one. Yes, yeah, so that's a good one. So fact, I think as, that was mine. Yeah, it was yours. Actually, Lucy came up with that quote this week. I actually said... Because mine was shit. I actually, yeah, this this week I did. I, I thought, I'm going to do it. I'm going to tell her a quote shit. And I'm going to go in with another one. I was going to say to you, actually, I before I kept, became sober, I absolutely fucking hated quotes. Mm. I was like, God, people that listen to quotes, what a bunch of losers. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'd be sat at a bar and like someone would tell me a quote and I'd like snarl at them like, oh God, don't be so bloody hippie. But now I'm like, oh, give me a good quote. That's because like, you were them. in the murky depths of the grey area, I was, you? but now in I the feel the quote. hating depths. I was the quote <laughs> hating depths of depravity. <laughs> Fuck you and your quotes. And now we just love them. We now fight we over them, yeah. who, who's going to have their quote. I feel them. I absorb them into my sober body. <laughs> Um, yeah, the book of the week is Unfuck Yourself, Get Out of Your Head and Into Your Own Life by Gary John Bishop. Have you ever felt like a hamster on a wheel, furiously churning your way through life but somehow going nowhere? Unfuck Yourself is the handbook for the resigned and defeated, a manifesto for life change and unleashing your own greatness. It was funny and insightful. I've read it, so it's a really good book for if you're looking for change. Um, I'll put that in the show notes for sure. Um yeah, and that's pretty much it, Lucy, I think. Actually, I was going to say on the way here, I was listening to a Bob Marley song and it really, um, I really felt it. You it were was, just about to say resonated. I was, but I'd stop myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's one of my favourite quotes from Bob Marley. I love a lot of his quotes because he's basically my favourite. Yeah. Um, and one of the ones that I heard on the way here was from the song Redemption Song. And it, he says, none but ourselves can free our minds. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I just that's went, oh, just I think so I might relevant, get a tattoo of that. Yeah, that's so good. It, mm. And it is. We are all in our minds way too much and only ourselves can get ourselves out of there. Yeah, you can't rely on anyone else. You've got to trust yourself. Mm. You've got to trust what you're doing and you've got to reach out. Yep. Yeah, so there you go. Well, that's, that's our message today, people. Yeah. I know we went on a bit about the grey area, but it's very important to Lucy and I and we yeah. want you guys to know that, that you can step out of it like we did and, and if we can do it, you can too. Yep, for sure. So, Lucy, have you got your phone out? Because I, I think you've got to Google Mr. Donut for me. I'm not doing that. Oh, I'm go not, on, no, I'm not doing it. I'm meant to be a, a good friend. You got me. You stop me drinking. I'm going to stop you eating donuts. I don't think you're going to stop me. Oh, I'm going to. I'll be fighting you to the well, death. I thought you would never. <laughs> I thought no one would ever stop me drinking, and yet you've done it. So I'm going to be the person. Okay, so I'm going to put you in charge. Okay, this I'm going to. Oh. I'm going to put you in charge of my weight. Oh, no. I, I've done this for you. You need to return the favour. We, can we yeah. start another podcast series all about it? No, I'm not doing oh, it. Come on. I'm not doing it because I know what you're like. It'll be so hard. You'll have all these excuses. And I'll be stuffing chocolates and in then, my face And then you like, know what it. might happen is you start to hate me mm. and then we have a massive argument and we stop doing this podcast. Yeah, likely. Everyone carries on drinking and it's all our fault. Why so fucking Google It'll Mr. Be Donut our, then? Our Get on with stuck it. in the grey area because <laughs> of you and your diet. Yeah, true. All right, I'll bloody look it up in a minute when I turn my phone on. All right, thank you. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Sober Awkward podcast. If alcohol is affecting your life in a negative way, if you're struggling to moderate or your hangovers are causing anxiety, it might be time to reach out for help. Contact your local doctor, a therapist, or connect with your local AA or sobriety group. Vic's got one. Yes, Go onto Facebook and just search Drunk Mummy, Sober Mummy, the group. Lucy and I both agree that even though this journey can be awkward, it's definitely worth it. And if we can do it, you can too. For more support on sobriety, head to Vic's website, drunkmummysobermummy.com. And Lucy runs an online space to support and inspire single mums. Find out more at beanstockmums.com.au. Finally, if you've enjoyed the Sober Awkward podcast, don't forget to follow, subscribe, review and share it with your mates. Don't make it sound like they have to, though. No, they do have to. I'm not doing all this for nothing, Lucy. No.
Nurses, we just want to thank you for everything you do. We are ShiftKey.com. Log on today and connect to open PRN shifts in your area. Work when you want, where you want. You can even get paid next day. ShiftKey.com. Start today.